This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is... Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk back again with you guys for another episode of what is our Let's Talk Arsenal series, in which I'm joined by a wide variety of wonderful people to talk about the club that we love. I'm very happy to be joined by, you know, what I don't know what end of the spectrum of a wide variety of people this man falls under. Maybe he can tell us himself as Elliot from the Arsenal Vision. How are you doing, mate? You good, Joel? Uh, yeah, I'm good. I, uh, what, how do you just uh, define the spectrum? I guess. I don't know which end of the spectrum I'm on. I'm offending anyone, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Look, I'm definitely on some kind of spectrum, that's for sure. (laughs) I think we all are to some degree, to be fair. Mm. Um, But uh, yes, it's it's great to have the show. Of course, I joined you uh, on The Vision a couple of weeks ago, ahead of the, uh, I think it was a couple, was it a week or two ago? I think it was, um, ahead of the Everton game. Um, And we had a chat about a few things. So it's quite nice to be able to kind of reflect upon that and I was listening back a little bit to kind of re-jig myself into to what we discussed. But we'll come on to, to some of the specifics in a second. But, I mean, how did you feel breaking the the Everton hoodoo? Yeah, I mean, it, it felt great, obviously. I think the, the reality is that I think there's an expectation of how we should be performing in every game. And maybe we've fallen short a bit uh, on the level of some of the performances, at least from an attacking standpoint. But I think that also overlooks how easy it is to drop points in the league. And the expectation of perfection is driven on by the fact that we are chasing a team that feels like it is capable of achieving perfection. Um, But that's not the reality. And anytime you get three points, I think you should feel really good about it, especially away from home uh, in the Premier League. So we, you know, we knew the tactics we were going to face from Everton. They, They played almost no football whatsoever. And sometimes the hardest games are the games where, you're just banging your head against a wall, right? Trying to break down a compact defense. So I I certainly don't think we look like a team that has fully clicked yet. And I certainly wouldn't say that it was a, a classy win, but qualifying wins, sure, we're going to do that. We're here to analyze football, but but three points is is ultimately fundamentally a thing you should always celebrate in the Premier League. 
Yeah, without a doubt. It was yeah, it was just relief, I think was the word I used after the game. Just kind of glad that that's done. It's not a narrative anymore. Obviously, when we come to play them next season at Goodison Park, it'll be Arsenal have only won one game in the last seven years because that's the way in which football's talked about. But it's it's great to break that run, especially going into a game against Tottenham on the weekend, which we'll come on to in a little bit. One of the things that we did discuss on the vision was uh, around Kai Havertz and... We disagreed on this. You said that you would have started him. He didn't. What did you make of it? Um, I think it's tough because, first of all, we don't know how Mikel's thinking about squad rotation with Champions League in mind. We also just don't know. I, it's always hard with these games that come right after an international break to know exactly how much the international football participation influenced a selection. A player can come back with a little tightness here, a little soreness there, and suddenly they're not in the team for reasons that, you know, you you can't exactly explain any other way and that they're not going to tell us. So I I think the, the Vieira performance is actually an interesting one to look at as a reflection of our perceptions of Kai Havertz. So Vieira slides a nice ball through to Martinelli. Martinelli does a lot of good work, scores a goal. It gets chalked off. It's a shame. Other than that, I felt that Vieira was functional. I thought he was bright in moments. He had a couple back post opportunities that he wasn't quite able to take. Overall, I was I was very impressed by a Fabio Vieira who looked like maybe his Arsenal career was slipping away from him, coming back, starting in, a, in an away game in the Premier League and looking perfectly competent. And yet I can't help but feeling that it was also not a performance that delivered anything more than we'd been seeing from Kai Havertz. And I see the way it's being spoken about in sort of lofty terms. So I'm really happy for Vieira, but maybe Vieira should be, should be a bit of a, a, a reminder to Kai hmm. that the fans are always willing to get behind you. If you can just come in and put one good performance, you know, under your belt and maybe move away from some of the negativity. So happy for Vieira. It's, it's another important um, piece of the squad that we'll need to rely on. And yet somehow I, I don't think that that was the kind of performance that distanced himself yeah. from what Havertz has been providing. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think other than scoring or assisting, Vieira did as much as he can do. I think in that game, you know, he was consistent, he was dangerous, he was aggressive with his runs and with some of his passes. Uh, but I wrote in my winners and losers piece, I put Fabio in the winners and, and Kai was was in the losers because that's just kind of the narrative of the game. If yeah. one starts over the other, that's where they go. And I wrote that I felt bad putting Havertz here because actually he came on and I thought did what he does well in those moments when you're leading 1-0 and need to see a game out. He's really good there. And I wrote for Vieira that I, I questioned, did Vieira in the place of Havertz transformatively change us? No, it didn't. It may, I thought we were marginally better with Vieira there with a little bit more dynamism from that position and the link up with Martinelli because they're very well suited to, to one another, which didn't last very long. And we'll come on to that as well. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't like, wow, this is what we've been missing at the start of the season without Vieira in there. Do you know? What yeah, I mean? can I give? Yeah, can I give you an example? Actually, so I'd say Aaron Ramsdale is a fan favorite, and rightfully so. He's an excellent player, and I I think he's a player who will continue to have an important Arsenal future. And yet, what I would say is, you know, and and let me contrast that with Kai Havertz, who I think has been met with an uneven reception, to put it mildly, by some. Maybe, maybe that's maybe that's giving too much weight to some social media noise. But I think, ah, Discord boys, that's our that's our uh, Discord from our Patreon. So the Disco boys have come to show their support and we do love the Disco boys. Um, so yeah, I, what I would say is this. I actually think David Raya's performance 
showed something we haven't seen from Ramsdale in a way that Vieira's performance maybe didn't show something we haven't seen from Havertz. And yet, if you look at it, I think there's a lot more faith in and belief in Ramsdale than mm. there is Kai Havertz. Now, for the yeah. record, that's because Ramsdale has put a very good season under his belt at Arsenal where he's been an Arsenal hero. And of course, of course, we should support both players. And of course, we're going to love Aaron Ramsdale. I just think the the contrast of Raya and Ramsdale is actually a more interesting one for me than the Havertz and Vieira one in, in terms of the what we saw on the pitch on Sunday. Yeah, I, I the Raya-Ramsdale thing is... I think it might be the most Arsenal fan catalyst I've ever seen um, because Raya's performance, I feel, you know, it's, it's worthy of praise. I thought he commanded his box really well. He was brought in because his metrics in terms of collections from crosses are far better than Ramsdale's last season. Um, and Everton were always going to pose a threat. or you know, We thought they were going to pose a threat in that instance. And they did throw some balls into the box. They did curl some balls into the box. And Ramsdale looked very comfortable in taking those crosses when they came to him and he won one foul in one of the more challenging scenarios where he had to leap and, and catch it and won that foul in that scenario. But it wasn't a performance from David Raya in the same way that Fabio Vieira's performance wasn't a performance that made me think, you know, wow, well, that's the conversation done. That's the conclusion of this debate mm. because he wasn't tested really at all. Like he showcased his collections. He showcased how confident he is with his distribution. But there weren't, it, it never made me think, well, Ramsdale was in a lot of trouble here. It just, the only thing that would so, make me think that is the actual start itself. But go on. Yeah. So I, I'd push back on that only slightly, right? And, and this, I have to admit, I'm anchoring to my biases a little bit here. So I, I will confess that up front. My frustration with Ramsdale, if anything, has not been related to shot stopping. By and large, I think he's a good shot stopper. Every keeper occasionally lets one in. They wish they hadn't. And every keeper, you know, keeps some out that are incredible. But by and large, I know that the advanced analytics will tell you that Ramsdale hasn't been a great shot stopper. I can't say that I've noticed that. I do feel that at times, Ramsdale is guilty of going long when the game gets tense, when the game gets tight. In the situations where the pressure is on, I think he sometimes just kicks long and sometimes aimlessly kicks long. I think his his long distribution has been somewhat poor. I think he's you know been around 50% or less completion on mm. some of that. And that's a possession that comes right back at you. And when you go somewhere like Everton where they can't keep the ball and they have no technical quality, but they have size, right? Physical power. The last thing you want to do is go long, let them collect that ball and, and start firing it back into your box. So the, the collecting crosses part, I take your point. But if you look at... Raya, he was 32 of 34 passing, I believe. He had 44 touches. He was 7 of 9 on his long passes. When we went ahead 1-0, he made 16 yeah. passes. 12 of them were short. He kept it on the ground. He kept it close. I thought it was very telling, actually. Right from mm -hmm. the kickoff, from the opening kickoff of the game, we didn't do our usual routine of going back to the keeper and then kicking it long into the left channel, right? We played it short right from the opening kickoff. And if you look where Raya was positioned, he was playing that sweeper role. He was yeah. much further outside his box, I think, than we see Ramsdale. Now, let's be clear. Ramsdale's excellent. If he's the keeper we have for the future, I feel confident in him. But mm. I do think we actually saw some stuff with Raya in this game, or Raya, depending on how we're doing that, um, that, that draws a line under the two in terms of, you know, or a line between the two in terms of the different way they play. So he wasn't tested at all in terms of actual shot stopping. But I think from a ball-playing standpoint, in those tense environments, 
not just defaulting to going long is important. And, and you heard Mikel, I'm sorry, I'm rambling now, but after the game, he said he had a regret that he hadn't subbed a keeper yeah. before. Which is mad. And I, a lot of people, <laughs> it, it's completely mad, but I love Mikel it for you, right? Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> um, and there's a lot of suggestion, I think, that he might have had the Fulham game in mind. Right, mm. you should. I just think that was one of them. The he said two draws, and we've only drawn one this season. So yeah, you'd yeah. So that. wonder where that was. Ultimately, I would say Liverpool. Um, I think. Well, yeah, that that could be one as well. So, mm. so what do you think? I mean, am I making too much of the the ball playing and the, the keeping it on the ground? It's interesting. I think it's look. I think as I said, Raya Raya is uh, <laughs> worthy of the praise that he received for that game, and. I don't think put a foot wrong um, at all. I think it was a perfect display. Um, I, it's interesting we talk about kind of the, the passing metrics after we uh, scored. I do remember him going long with one from his hands. He drop kicked one long after we scored, I think. And I know, and I think I thought to myself, sitting in the press box, like, well, oh, Arteta's not going to like that. <laughs> I just <laughs> no. thought to myself, he's, yeah. he's not going to like that. <laughs> and so maybe that's why he only did it once. So maybe there was a mm -hmm. word that we missed. Um but I, I, yeah, it's. I don't think you know. I don't think it's 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 anything mad. What's being said? I think that certainly he's going to provide Ramsdale an element of focus. I think to his game, but at the same time, that when I say focus, I think it's focus for Ramsdale. It's going to come from that pressure. It's pressure that I think with a character like we know Ramsdale to be that will form pressure. You know, diamonds pressure. The whole analogy thing. I think that's what we will get with Ramsdale with Raya there. I don't think he's like a player that sees competition and then you finally see the start of the end of their Arsenal career. It might be that that happens down the line, much further down the line, because goalkeeper is a very difficult position to maintain two top quality players in compared to any other position on the field. If Arteta is, you know, really telling the truth about this and that he sees the goalkeeper as a player that can be substituted like any outfield player. Like, Did you see the interview he did with the Sky? I think it was the Sky Sports uh, reporter after the game in mm -hmm. which... He said about number one, number two, and he was like, "Well, what's Fabio Vieira?" <laughs> and yeah. like, as, as speaking as from a journalist point of view, if I'm that reporter, I'm like, "Oh crap, <laughs> this is like really <laughs> intense." But I think it would be really interesting if he had gone back to, to to Arteta and been like, "Well, you know, that's obviously how we think of it." And I would think of Vieira as kind of the backup based upon your selections to Havertz this season so far, and as the number two left eight in inverted quote marks this season. So that's how I would think of it. So. It, it was interesting to see that feedback from Arteta and, this, and that reaction because he's clearly passionate about the idea that every player, every position is equally kind of changeable in his system and in his squad. And that's great. And I think that bringing competition for every single position is something we've lacked over the last decade. But yeah, it's going to be telling, I think, what happens this week because obviously with the PSV game, with the, with the North London derby, how would you play out those two from the goalkeeper's point of view? That's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, mm. I guess the good news is I don't care. I, I mm. don't have a strong yeah, lean same. that one of them is the wrong choice. You know what I mean? Like there are certain positions, I'll admit, I've got my favorite. I'm like, oh, why isn't he starting that guy? We all have that player. I don't have a strong lean at keeper. So if he wants Ramsdale in the Derby because he's done it before, I back Ramsdale to, to do the job. Um, if he wants... Ramsdale in the, in the Champions League, that's fine too. I, I mean, it's tough because I, I said this on our podcast today. Look, I was raised in the Arsene Menger era of the Champions League where we just shrugged our shoulders at the Champions League group stage. It was, it was yeah. a nothing burger, right? We were just yeah. used to getting through it effortlessly. And so 
I realize it's massive for the club and it's massive that we're back, but I can't help it. The game I've got my eye on is the Derby. So what I think is most important is whichever player Mikel thinks is best for the moment, I want mm. that player starting the Derby and I'm fine with whoever he picks in the Champions League. Um, I think I'm it'll gonna be, be mean, still Wednesday. And mm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, based upon what you've seen of Spurs this season, which of the two keepers' characteristics do you think better suits the Derby? Okay, so... Now I'm going to say something that's going to be perceived as knocking Ramsdale, and I don't mean it this way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure what characteristic Ramsdale is clearly better than Raya at. Okay. Right? I think Raya's yeah. a slightly better passer. Mm. I think Raya catches crosses at a better rate. We know that. Um, I think he's better sweeping up, and I, I think we do want to watch the back door, and I think those long balls will hurt you less if your keeper's more comfortable sweeping. Maybe you could say Ramsdale is the better 1v1 shot stopper. I do think he is. I think Ramsdale's an excellent sort of 1v1 big chance shot yeah. stopper. Yeah. I think he also rises to the moment in big games. I mean, we have seen that, like, uh, at Anfield. Yeah. He kept that a point instead of zero. So if we think we're going to be under the cosh a bit, I, I could see... Ramsdale being the keeper for the Derby. Um, I'm just not convinced. I think we will be. Um, but yeah, given that Spurs want to play and they're going to have some of the ball and they're going to try to play in our final third a bit, maybe it is the case of of going with Ramsdale in the Derby for his sort of 1v1 big moment, big game saves. I could see that. Um, but I, like I said, this is what's hard. I won't be disappointed to see either of them pick. Yeah, and I, I would, I'm like you. I, I think either of them starting is it's not a talking point other than the fact like, oh, okay, he's gone with this one for this game. And, you know, it's it's not telling in any way. It will be interesting, of course, if Ramsdale starts on Wednesday and then Raya starts because then the question will be, is Raya now the Premier League keeper and is Ramsdale now the cup keeper? And, and I suppose we'll only find that out when the, the next games roll around for over the course of the month. But Arteta will be asked upon that and he will say, I haven't decided <laughs> that, and that's what yeah. that is what will happen for sure. What I do hope is that Raya gets a little bit better in the mix zone because he quite literally phased through me. Uh, in the mix, it was a case of like, <laughs> Just, you got two minutes, okay, okay, bye. <laughs> that was literally <laughs> in the mix zone yesterday, so uh, hopefully, uh, he gets a little bit more amenable to us guys down in well, the mix zone. It's you know, the one thing uh, we know is that the, the Ramsdales, as a family, are very supportive of podcasts and content creators in general, as his dad, as his dad has proven. So maybe Ray yeah. can learn a thing or two, uh, from that. Yeah, yeah. When Ramsdale spoke to me after the, the Man City away defeat, I was like, This guy's a keeper, like you know, <laughs> so <laughs> if you're going to talk after Literally. any game, fair play for that one. Let, <laughs> let's talk a little bit more about Champions League and, and where we kind of move. You said that, like, you know we're used to the days of being in pot one and you know pot two three four wasn't exactly the, the most competitive that said there is something europa league-ish about our group uh despite it being a champions league group you got the the kings of the competition in severe of course psv of course we've had in the europa league last season then lawns who have not been in you know a european competition for a very very long time and have lost some significant players it is psv that we play they like lawns have lost significant amount of talent since we last played them no Gakpo no Javi Simmons no Ibrahima Sangara um, but they do have some other exciting players that they've kind of seen develop and brought through since we last played like Bakayoko for instance um, and they brought back Hervin Lozano who was really big for them before he moved to Napoli and now has kind of gone back in a in a similar way to we've seen other players do with other clubs how are you 
how are you with regarding rotation? And are you a fan of yes, let's chuck Smith Rowe and Jorginho and Tomiyasu and Kivu, or are you more of the one, two, maybe three, and that's it? It's a tough one because you have to win your home games, and if you win your home games, you make Champions League group stages very easy. We know that. If you can get nine points from your three home games, you should be through and probably going to find a way to go through top. Mm. This is our hardest home game, I think, is probably right to say Sevilla are in terrible form domestically, although yeah, they, they haven't played much. Lons <laughs> is not very good. But PSV, I mean, four win, four four matches played, four wins, 13 goals for one goal against. Um, <laughs> you know, it's the era divisi, but it's it's a yeah. it's a good record. Um, and I think they are a good team. And I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And so, uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see. Now, I don't, look, they haven't really played anybody as far as I can tell. I mean, they got into the Champions League group stages by beating Rangers uh, yeah. in the playoff. And I don't think that is particularly telling, but I think we know from the Europa League, we are not just going to trounce PSV. I wouldn't expect it anyway. Like I, I think we've seen if Mikel Arteta has anything to prove actually, and I think he's mostly proven everything. He probably needs to prove his European bona fides a bit, right? Mm -hmm. That, yeah. that hasn't been a strong suit. Now to be fair to him, the way you approach Europa League is you always try to have one foot in it and one foot out of it, and you're playing heavily rotated sides, and you're trying to balance it with the league. This, I think, is one that you're going to get more focused on. I would imagine that Mikel Arteta managing Arsenal in their first Champions League fixture in six years in front of the home crowd is going to want to win and impress. And especially with the Derby at the weekend, he'll want to go in that way. I don't think we will see any major rotation. My expectation is that Jesus will play from the start, probably go an hour if possible with an eye towards starting in the Derby. I think Havertz will come back in. Um, and I think the rest of the team will be what we regard as first choice with keeper being whoever it is, because I have no idea how mm. you analyze that. Maybe, maybe he tries to get away without like a Zinchenko who has a history of breaking down and plays a Tomiyasu yeah. there, gives him a chance yeah. to play a Kibi or if he wants to. Um, and as a last possibility, I mean, I think left, Left wing is an interesting one now with Martinelli out. So maybe he starts Reese Nelson and keeps Trossard fresh for the weekend. But I mm. expect it to be a full a full strength team, essentially. I mean, the nice thing about this team in a way is what is our first 11? I don't think anybody is totally clear on that, especially with some of our absences. But for example, like I, I don't think Rice will get rested. You know, I don't think um, Saliba or Gabriel will be rested, that kind of thing. I think we'll see our, our best play, Saka, is not permitted to be rested, so he will play and so on. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because like I feel like I would rest Saka during this game. Um, and mm. that might be naive or ignorant to, to PSV, and you point out that their strong record and it is. I've got this 
I've got this idea in my head about using Havertz as a centre forward with Jesus being the guy to rotate with Saka when you want to rest him. And I like the idea of Jesus playing off of a striker or centre forward like Havertz, who's great with the link up, great to play off of. And then Jorginho and Rice can, can form the midfield with still Odegaard, if you like, or Vieira, if you want to rotate him out. But I think Odegaard is fine to play as many games as you really want him to. Um, and then I, I agree on the Nelson side of things. The defence, yeah, can can one switch if, if necessary. The one I'm always worried about just because of PTSD is Saliba because of what happened in the sporting yeah. game. Yeah, that's um, right. And if you've got someone like Tommy Asu that can play anywhere, um, then maybe bringing Kivior at left back and and Tommy Asu in place of Saliba isn't a massive drop off. It is, I think, technically what you lose from Zinchenko, but that's going to be the case of anyone you swap him out for, not just you know Kivior or Tommy Asu. So, yeah, I think that's maybe potentially what you do. We haven't mentioned Smith Rowe, of course, in this. How do you get him in the? How do you get him anywhere near this team? Because it gets to. I really struggle with the Smith Rowe thing because. It's like, I use the example of he's like a girlfriend that necessarily, you know, you might move on from one day, but you're staying with because you don't want them to be with anyone else, if you know what I mean. <laughs> we we have previous for that, frankly. I, I think mm. one of the things we have to get better at organizationally as a club is not waiting until we're super duper, totally, completely, 100% sure it's time to sell. Yeah. That's when there's no value. I think we have to get better at saying, you know what? This player doesn't have a role. They're not going to break through. We need to move them on and we need to replace them with someone we're more inclined to use. We would be a stronger squad right now if instead of having Smith Rowe, we had a player Mikel trusts. Yeah. Now that may sound harsh because I love Smith Rowe mm. and I want to see him succeed at Arsenal. Yeah. But there is no scenario where we are stronger having a player on the bench that the manager doesn't seem to want to use. Um, now, maybe we're wrong. Maybe he really does want to use him. And the opportunity hasn't presented itself, but it certainly feels like it needs to be a Goldilocks moment mm. for it to be Smith Rowe. Now, ultimately, this Martinelli injury, if it's 21 days or whatever it is, this is a huge opening for Reese Nelson and Emil Smith Rowe, right? Because if Trissard starts, one of them would be the obvious guy to come on. If one of them starts, obviously that's great for them. But when Smith Rowe was played, even in preseason, he was played as an interior, right? As Nate. Mm. So I'm not even sure he's up for that role anymore. For me, the issue with Smith Rowe is simple. I think it's very straightforward. I don't think Mikel trusts him off the ball. I think, you know, I watched Smith Rowe in the, what was it, the U21 tournament this summer, I think he played. Um, when he gets the ball, he's a pace quickener. He's a tempo quickener. He's exactly what we needed against like an Everton in terms of injecting some pace and some incision and some directness into how we attack these low blocks. But what I saw that summer is a player who, when a guy steps up, he doesn't backfill the space behind yeah when you know when someone drops into a position he doesn't seem to have the immediate awareness of where to move and Mikel's system it has to be those automatisms that if yeah. Zinchenko comes central you know someone else fills fills the space he vacates and I don't think Smith Rowe does enough of that and mm. ultimately I think that's what's keeping him out of the team and you know, it doesn't take a huge mistake for us to get cut open because we're pushing so high up the pitch that if a player doesn't fill the space he's supposed to be you're leaving a gap for, for the opposition to attack into. And I I would love to see Smith Rowe because I think that that tempo and that directness would help us against some of the low blocks. Mm -hmm. But until I think Mikel sees him as, as being switched on and off, off the ball and, and understanding where he's meant to be off the ball, I don't think we're going to see a lot of him, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's... You, you hit the nail on the head regarding why, indirectly, therefore Fabio Vieira is playing. There was a moment in the first half where Vieira... 
think that the ball was turned over and Vieira tracked back, nicked the ball away. Arteta had his hands in the air and was applauding Fabio Vieira for, for what mm-hmm. he did. Yeah. And clearly, this is a different Vieira to what we saw this season. This is a Vieira with, with confidence. It seems like he's a Vieira that's got belief from his manager and that he's kind of taken that on board and thinking, well, yes, I've had difficulties. Yes, I've had struggles. But if the coach is trusting me, I've got to believe in myself and deliver when I'm given the chances to do so. And he's done that. Smith Rowe at the end, you know, in last season. And there's a really big argument to say that Arteta chucked him on in scenarios where the games were gone and, you know, he wasn't, what impact could he have when you're losing at Man City, you know, things like that. And I think that's a fair argument, but he didn't necessarily in the chances that we saw him get. And I'd even include the Bournemouth game where, you know, he got the header for Thomas Partey's goal. Outside of that, I didn't look at those performances and think, you know, this guy needs to be starting. And why isn't he starting? And why isn't it? And that may sound harsh. And it's always going to sound harsher for fans, especially with players that are coming from the academy and players that we've got more of a connection with. But I agree with you, Elliot, that we would be stronger if we had a player that Arteta wanted. Um, And that's not to say that he doesn't want Smith Rowe. It's the case of like really wants a player. Yeah, well, and I mean, it's only going to get harder. I mean... What would it take for us to get the tiniest bit of injury luck in a season, for God's mm-hmm. sake, like just a little bit? But if we do get to a point where Martinelli is back and yeah. Thomas Party is back, right, and you start to look at the players making match day squads and not making it, he's going to be on that cut line. Because you look at that, look at the bench from the game against Everton. Now imagine Thomas Party is back fit. One of those guys on the bench has to go. It's not going to be Reese Nelson. It's not going to be Jorginho. It's not going to be Ramsdale, obviously. It's not going to be Tomiyasu. I doubt it'd be Kivior either, right? Because mm-hmm. I think you're going to need those two central-ish defenders. Yeah. Um, it's not going to be Gabriel Jesus, right? No. It's not It's not going to be Leandro Trossard. The guy who's not going to make the bench is Emil Smith-Rowe. And once you get to that point, it's, it's pretty tough. I mean, I would expect he'll start, hopefully, against Brentford, maybe. But that's a yeah. tough game, and and I think there's a sense among the fan base, from what I gather, that we can't turn our nose up at any cups this season. I mean, I would turn my nose up at the League Cup. I just would. Um, just ask mm. Manchester United how the League Cup revitalized the club, because <laughs> I don't see it. I'd, I'd, I'd argue back that Man City have used it very well, but they can. <laughs> so. I, I would say that Man City could have lost the last you know, never won a, a league cup and they'd still be treble winners and, and five out of yeah. six premier league winners. But set, setting that aside, I, I just think the point is we're getting close to the precipice with Smith Rowe and something has to happen where he forces his way in, or I don't see it happening. That is a sad situation because we are all rooting for that player. And I think we all rate that player, Yeah. but right now we're not offering him much and he's not able to offer us much as a, as a, mm. as a result. Yeah, and I mean, in the summer, there was obviously talk that Chelsea made that approach and it was turned down by Arsenal. I didn't interpret that as that's a show of Arsenal saying Smith-Rowe can stay. Can stay sorry. That My interpretation was that Chelsea were never going to offer an amount of money that would have tempted Arsenal to sell. That That is what I took from that situation. Well, wasn't there like swap deal rumors too? And those never, I mean, the only yeah, time I can think of that happening was the Alexis McIntyre <laughs> thing. Yeah, I don't I know. I certainly never heard there was any credence mm-hmm. to an idea. I mean, that Chelsea were willing to include players, sure. But the idea that Arsenal ever would have entertained that for any of the players that they've got, I, yeah, mm-hmm. no. Because um, the Mudrick was the obvious target to be talked about, but uh, that ship has, has sailed. Um Obviously, with after the PSV game, we have the derby. And, and to finish today's show, the last section of it, have you have you watched Spurs with an an, an essence of 
concern because um, I feel like there was an element of Harry Kane's gone. They're going to be terrible, you know, he's, you know, because the Kane's not there anymore. They aren't going to score as many goals. They're going to lack his... Because he's, he's not just a striker that scores. He was a striker that was integral to their philosophy and system and how they generated chances, not just for him, but for others. And so by taking him out, it was like, oh, well, the obvious answer is just to think that they're going to lack any kind of creativity. So James Madison's come in and Ange Postacoglu's come in and they've reshaped things and they do look annoyingly more than okay. It's the best I can come to describing that club. But yeah, go on. It's a tough one, right? Because look look at what they've actually done. <clears throat> they played Brentford away. Yep. They got a very fortunate draw in a game where I think the balance of the chances were handily in, in Brentford's favor. Mm. They played Manchester United at home. Again, Manchester United created more, were more threatening. That's not a good Manchester United team, as we know. They did manage to win that game. Then they beat a dreadful Bournemouth. They got knocked out of the EFL Cup by a very mediocre Fulham. True. They they beat a dreadful Burnley, and they beat, barely, a dreadful Sheffield United. Um, the thing about them is they want the ball, and this is the first time we've seen a Tottenham team want the ball and want to play with the ball. But as with any team trying to do that, as we know all too well, there are growing pains, and their defense right now does not look convincing to me. I think the back line is not convincing. I don't think the goalkeeper is convincing. Um, they found use for use Basuma, which is I think nice to see because I think he's a talented player. I wish he was playing yeah. somewhere else, but uh, they found a use for him. I don't know how long Sun can play up front for them. Mm. You know, I, I don't know how mm. much he has left in the tank. He's looked okay. Uh, Richarlison has proven that I he, I just don't think he's a goal scorer. I know he got a big goal for them at the weekend, but I, I don't think he's a regular goal scorer. And Kulishevsky's form has dipped dramatically. Um, you know, I think from when he first started with them. I, I don't know, Tom. Like I, I sort of appreciate in quotes yeah, that yeah. they're trying to play a more progressive modern style of football than the suffer mm. ball that they played under Mourinho and under Conte. And I mean, they've played some really dreadful stuff. Yeah. And that's to your point about Kane. They relied on Kane because they booted the ball long. They tried to win, you know, win first balls, knock it down and have Kane do something special. And more often than not, he was able to. I just think organizationally, they are not going to be able to handle us. I, I I don't think their structure is going to, I don't think their structure is going to work in their favor in that game. And if they try to play Ange ball, yeah. I think our pressing system and, you know, especially someone like Declan Rice in, in the midfield battle, but I think our pressing system is, and, and if Jesus starts huge advantage, because I think that's one thing we miss without Jesus is his pressing. I think if we press Spurs and they try to play out, we're going to create a lot of clear opportunities and transitions. So I just don't think they're ready. You know, I don't think they're ready yet. Mm. No, I, I think that's fair, uh, especially regarding what they've done so far. It, Spurs are always a club that lead people into full senses of security when, <laughs> when we discuss them at the beginning of seasons because they look and they have kind of these remontadas at the beginning of the campaign and then it falls away very, very quickly. Um, mm -hmm. And the, it's it's not a Premier League season if Spurs aren't referred to as title challengers at one point. You know, <laughs> it usually happens yeah. in the media at some stage. Um, I annoyingly quite like their coach. I quite like Ange Postacoglu as like from a, you know, as, as much as an Arsenal fan can like anything to do with that club, which is next to nothing, but just him in, as an individual, I quite like him. Um, and I think that what he's trying to do, if, you know, if... I've got friends who are Spurs fans. I know that they are, you know, very happy with with him as their coach and are excited to see what happens under him. But right now, in this early phase of it, you're absolutely right in in regards to their structure. And 
I think they've not faced what I would describe as a Declan Rice team yet, a player with a Declan Rice in it. And I think that Declan Rice is going to have an absolute field day uh, on Sunday. So I'm really looking forward to seeing Declan face uh, face them. And not just him, but the rest of the Arsenal team and the structure that they're playing and the system that they're playing as well. Last question, how much is Gabriel Martinelli's injury going to harm us in this? It's going to hurt us. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a massively underrated player. I think he is one of the best players in the league. And, you know, I, you see it, the first little glimpse he gets of some space you know, the way he finishes um, that goal. And it's a shame, right? Because if there's been one thing, I think he's been a little hesitant in front of goal in the final mm. third of late. And so for him to get an opening goal at Goodison Park in that way, I think would have been a great kickstart to his season. I think the reason we'll miss him though is we don't have a clean like-for-like like alternative. I would say that Nelson is more like-for-like like, certainly than Troussard. But... He he just runs and runs and runs. He covers back. He goes forward. He gives the fullback an absolute nightmare of a time. And you know, with Saka, who's so controlled, right? He dribbles. He comes inside. He he exchanges passes with Odegaard. It's more of a a rondo over on the right. On the left, it is a lot more Martinelli making something happen with his individual bursts, pace, intensity. And Trissard wants to play more like Saka does from mm. the left. Mm. And I think Nelson is. The closest thing we have to Martinelli, but not you know not at that talent level. With no no uh, disrespect to Nelson, who's looked course, great yeah. um, over the last season. So yeah, I think we miss him tremendously, and I, I think it's a shame. But I think we can overcome it if Je Jesus comes back, because with no disrespect intended to Eddie and Kedia, Eddie and Kedia has surprised me by proving to be a good enough player to play for Arsenal at the level that we are now. I, I had real questions whether he could get to that level but I still don't think he is start 38 games for a title contender level. And I think Gabriel Jesus might be, I mean, I don't even know if he is, but he might be. And I think what he does for our pressing, what he does for our combination play, what he does in terms of just absolutely driving defenders crazy with the way he wins duels and goes for lost causes and keeps them working. I, I think he makes a big difference. So while the Martinelli loss is hard to overcome, I think Jesus coming back in the starting lineup, especially for a team that wants to press I think it is a bigger change than people are maybe giving credit to. And you've seen it. Jesus' mm. last two cameos, for me, Tom, like I think you've seen just what that little extra bit of class on the pitch does for us. We look different. Yeah, we do. Uh, he's just so much more talented. I was saying, you know, before we scored, I was like, when's Jesus coming on? Because it just feels like we need that injection of technical yeah. ability. And even though I like Nketiah and I think he was doing – a decent, you know, in, in, in amount of impact in the game. I just felt like we we really lacked that just that darting runs that he makes and just the ability to take two, three, four players on at once and create something from nothing. So, yeah, him coming back into the team is going to be great. Um, thank you to everyone that's listened to today's show. Really appreciate it. It's always been a slightly shorter one. Uh, we've got a crazy schedule, both of us, that we've got to stick to. Um, and uh, I'm sure that Elliot will be back uh, across the season for another chat at some point. Uh, Craig... Absolutely. Craig in the chat, thank you for the donation. I hope you guys are well. Great result yesterday. And I'm aware it's Craig's birthday. So happy birthday to Craig. Happy birthday, Craig. Well, mate. Uh, have a good day. Elliot, thank you, mate, for your time. Uh, tell people where they can find you and what you're going to be up to. Yeah, you can find uh, me and Clive and Tim and Paul and Scott and the whole crew over on the Arsenal Vision Podcast, which you can always go to arsenalvisionpodcast.com. You can check out our Patreon if you want. Uh, there's always extra stuff there. We do instant reactions at full time of every game and uh, tomorrow, we're going to do a special on the return of Champions League, what it means to the club, the history of the club in the Champions League, which is not what we'd like it to be, but that can always change in the, the match mm. with PSV coming up. So always, 
always something every day to look forward to. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, a massive thank you again to Elliot for jumping on. Uh, go check out the Arsenal Vision podcast. It is or post match podcast, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, but, uh, I don't know why I say that. That's just the Arsenal Vision podcast. Mid match podcast. <laughs> all the time yeah. podcast. Yeah. All the match podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we will see you, of course, tomorrow morning, bright and early at eight a.m. to bring you the latest in regards to Arsenal. Have more discussions about all the hot topics and look ahead to that game against PSV. I'm going to be at the training ground tomorrow for the open training sessions. Fingers crossed, everyone's there. Um, who knows? Maybe Martinelli will surprise us and hop into training. We can only hope. Um, but you'll be able to get all the updates on London from that as well. We'll see you again very soon. Have a fantastic evening wherever you happen to be. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90-plus minute. All your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18-plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.